of Salmon River Country. I'm Mike Palmer. I'm the pastor at Salmon Valley Baptist Church, and it is great to be with you today on KSRA Radio. This is the point where our regular listeners hear, uh, and this is Trey Sapp, and we want to welcome all our visitors on Into the Western Wild, the podcast that we record from this radio show. Um, Trey's here today. We're still coming to you live from the banks of the Salmon River, garden spot of the Mountain West. But uh, Trey is serving as producer today. He's he's not actually on a microphone today. But I assure you he's here and he's okay. Because if he's not, people will email and text and say, well, where was Trey? What was going on with Trey? Because he's more popular than I am. <clears throat> anyway, uh, today we have a guest with us, a friend of mine. Been a friend for a good number of years. We've done ministry in, in, a, in a few different ways. His name is John Avant. John, welcome to Salmon. Thank you, Mike. It's great to be back. We're glad you're here. John likes to come hang out in Salmon. Now, he, that makes it sound like a lazy thing. John likes to come and minister and work and serve with our church and hang out with our people, and we like for him to do that. He uh, he tries to get to Salmon at least once a year, and uh, um, and here we are uh, early in the year, and he's, he's, he's getting that commitment out of the way early in 2023. <laughs> but, uh, John, I'm always glad to share ministry with you. Our church just loves you, and, and uh, we appreciate your ministry to us. And we just welcome. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Thank you, man. It's all, always an honor. It's not hard to fly into these beautiful mountains and these beautiful people, and I love, love being here with you guys. I understand that. Instead of me introducing you and, and saying all kinds of sappy things, um, actually, I don't do that. But how about if you would, because it's going to set stage for what we're going to talk about today. How about if you share with us just uh, a little bit about yourself and particularly about your ministry as well? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've done a few things. Um, most of my life, I was a pastor of churches of many, many different kinds of settings, um, mostly in uh, in the South, in Texas as well. Um and uh, for a little while, we worked together, a place where you were on the board, and I was serving at a place called the North American Mission Board, loved those years. Um, right now, for the last, going on six years, I've been president of Life Action Ministries, and uh, it's pretty hard to do an elevator speech about what we do, <laughs> but um, we, uh, um, we really seek to um, create contexts where uh, movements of authentic Christianity can be ignited, mm. and... Um, Authentic being the key word because just something bearing the name Christian doesn't make it so. And oh, that's uh, true. So we have teams of college-age students. We believe in the next generation that travel with us and serve with us in this country and overseas uh, as as well. We have a family camp, a leadership lodge, um, and we produce uh, materials and hard copy resources as, as well. So uh, – it's a nonprofit based in Michigan, but I always say I live in Hampton Inns and other places across <laughs> across America. Yeah. I travel about 260, 70 days a year and absolutely love um, being a part of what God's doing in the world. It, just by the fact that you said Hampton Inn, it's not hard to know where your uh, 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 reward cards are. They're, they're <laughs> yes. with that particular organization. That's, That's right. I'm their best, best, uh, yeah. best I'm that customer. Way, I'm that way with Marriott. There are a lot of Marriott's in the West. Yeah, so yeah, there you go. Uh, if I stay, it's a Marriott. And plug to both of those, I suppose. Um, now, John, uh, I, I know the answer to this. Got a family, right? Got a great family. Yeah. Got my wife, who's up here often as well. She'll be here for Women's Conference in March. She's not with me on this trip, but a wonderful wife who serves 
uh, with me as a missionary. We have three adult kids and six grandchildren, which we we don't. I don't know how that happened with me only being thirty nine, but it's gone really well. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I knew that was there. You're sitting over here with a mug that says "I love Papa." Yep, and I, I like that because I'm a yeah. Papa John, I, I'm mm-hmm. a I'm a papa, so I I appreciate that. That's yep. a high rank, great as far life. As I'm concerned, mm-hmm. yeah. So I wanted you to introduce yourself so that our audience will understand where this question comes from. You have a a unique perspective because you literally travel the world um, as you serve the Lord in the role that you have. And I want to talk about something today that. Um, um, maybe eye-opening to some of our listeners. I hope it's encouraging to some of our listeners and and hopefully challenging uh, to some of our listeners as well. John, in our country, in the United States of America, we hear and we understand that uh, uh, statistically, at, well, and literally too, Christianity is in downward trends. Mm-hmm. Church attendance is down. Churches are closing. The number of people, if you look at annual polls by Pew and Gallup and those kind of things, who claim faith in Jesus Christ is going is is dropping. It's dropping. Mm-hmm. We like to think that we're a Christian country, but we're we're not a Christian nation. We mm-hmm. we were based in some Judeo Christian principles, but mm-hmm. we have the ship has sailed on us. Am I saying too much when no, I say the ship has sailed on us being a a Christian nation at absolutely. this time? We're not. But um, as a result of those trends, you hear people saying, boy, it's really popular to say, well, Christianity's dying. Mm -hmm. But, John, based on what I know and what I've learned from you as well, um, uh, if you talk to missionaries around the world, nothing could be farther from the truth. Paint a picture for our listeners of what you see around the world and what God's doing around the world. Yeah, you know, throughout this 2,000-year history of, of our faith, uh, there have been half a dozen times minimum um, when uh, many people looked at statistics and said, uh, well, it's, it's over, you know, Christianity's done. Um, and, and so that's, that's so far never been close to accurate. Um, and right now, um, not only is it not accurate, it's ridiculously wrong. Um, well, I'm pretty sure the Lord said something about I will build my church. Yeah, yeah, and and nothing is going to stand against it. Exactly. The gates of hell won't stand against it. Exactly. So it makes sense that it hadn't quite ended just yet. Yeah, and there have been <laughs> I could point to seasons where it'd be a whole lot easier to believe that, like what we call the Dark Ages. Now, even even then, um, tons of stories uh, and of what God was doing during the Middle Ages. Um, but right now, not only is the church not dying. Uh, we're in the greatest time of evangelistic growth in the history of the world. I, I want you to say that one more time. We are in the greatest time of evangelistic growth, the greatest time of numerical growth in the history of Christianity. More people are coming to faith in Christ every day than ever before in the history of the world. So so the naysayers out there are going to go, well, that that's just a statistical thing. Um, you know, there's more people than there's ever been, mm-hmm. but that's not the case. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about legitimate movement of God, revival, revival and awakening around the world. That's pretty incredible. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and if you, if you find a place outside of the Western world 
where a couple of things are true, you're almost guaranteed to find explosive growth of Christianity. Um, If you find a place where um, there is uh, persecution, where it's not easy to be a a follower of Christ, Uh, if you find a place where there is political upheaval, uh, war, any of those kind of things, um, you will find a place where where Christianity is growing wildly. And even places that don't um, have persecution of believers, particularly places in uh, Central and, and South America, um, what's happening is astonishing. Dur- during COVID, I was asked to speak um, uh, by Zoom to um, Christians in uh, Brazil, for instance. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, well, that would be wonderful. And, and so I did. And right before I was going to speak, I, I said, how, how, I'm curious, how many people am I speaking to? And they said, oh, well, by the time everything is done, we think it'll be about a million. <laughs> That's a, a million pretty good audience. That's in pretty my audience. basement. Yeah, and <laughs> you can't fit them all in. No, and they were they were showing pictures of these families and uh, from all over the country that were gathered together in their homes. Um, imagine this happening in America. You got generational families gathered together in a room in the middle of COVID um, to hear some guy they don't even know talk about Jesus. Um, mm. That's because God has been pouring Himself out in in Brazil, Central America, South America. Uh, but then when you get to places like. Um, the Muslim world. We have never in history seen a massive people movement of Muslims coming to faith in Christ. There are many, many missionaries who have given their entire life and not seen a single person come to faith. More people that they knew killed because they tried to bring Jesus to Muslims (laughs) than Muslims coming to Jesus. Well, all of that in the last 20 to 30 years has utterly and thoroughly changed. And um, the fastest growing segment of Christianity in the world today is in none other than Iran. Number two is Afghanistan. And if you go down the list, you go a long way down before you find countries where it's easy to be a follower of Jesus. That's incredible. Now, I know this about you. John is a phenomenal storyteller. And... um, We've talked about some stats and some, you know, and some circumstances up to this point. Can you share some stories with us out of these places in the world? Yeah. Because I know sometimes that's sensitive. Yeah. And I'm going to be careful um, when I start telling stories of people. I usually don't name um, countries. Um, But uh, in in one particular country, um, oh, a few years ago, there was uh, an astonishing situation that took place. Um, one of the critical leaders um, in the educational world of that country, I won't say enough to identify him, opened his desk drawer one day and found a New Testament in his own language. Well, <laughs> he um, believed all Christians were infidels, so it certainly wasn't his New Testament. To this day, he has no idea why there was a New Testament in his desk drawer in his language. Um, but in that country, many, many people are coming to Christ, and somebody, I guess, decided he, he, he needed to hear the word of the Lord. So he took it, he looked at it, and he goes, well, I've read lots of, I'm an educator, I've read lots of things from infidels so I can know the crazy things they believe. I'll read this too. And um, he had never met a follower of Jesus. He talked to no one about it, and he began to read. And when he got to the Gospel of John, he came to chapter 3 and to verse 16, where 
it read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And he said, I was sitting there, and by the way, he told me this to my face. This is not hearsay. I've sat there with him where he is at this point, and he told me. He said, I heard a voice saying, uh, I am God, and this is truth. And I was stunned, and I decided I believe and he, he went through a lot more details of why he's a very intelligent, educated man. He had done research. And he's, this is historical. This is not like my religion. This is real. And he went home and told his wife. He said, I've become a, a follower of Jesus. And she said, you're out of your mind. You can't tell anybody. They'll, they'll put you in jail. And he said, well, I'm telling everybody. <laughs> he said, I'm pretty sure that's what he God said, told us to do. Everybody has to know. So he did. And sure enough, he went to jail. And his wife would visit him and watched his life utterly changed. And when he was miraculously released, he took her and he said, we've got to leave or our children may be killed. And they got across to another nation. Uh, His wife said, I'll go with you, but I won't become a Christian. I won't become an infidel. Um, On the second day, they were in this next, this new country. They were walking through a park and a man came up to them trembling, had something in his hands. I have a picture of it on my phone. And uh, it had the hands of Jesus, and it was in their language. And he said, I don't know you, but I believe God has spoken to me that you are from the country I'm from. Mm. And um, he wanted me to give you this, and he wants you to come and meet with a group of people who will care for you. Uh, That group of people happens to be a group of people that our ministry is working with in that country to train and help the leaders of the persecuted church from about 17 nations. They went, they met these believers. His wife said, this must be real. This is a miracle. How could this man come to us and and know this? And um, she came to faith in Christ as well. They are growing like wildfire. Their hope one day is to be able to return to their nation and be a part of what is an amazing, amazing movement of God in that nation right now. Um, In that same country, I was there as recently as about uh, six to eight weeks ago, something like that. And in that same country... Hindus, Muslims, uh, others from across different parts of Asia, uh, India, Russia, they've all gathered in one place and they have one thing in common. They're, they're, they speak English and they're well-educated. And so we were able to work with them and, uh, and we simply taught them the story of Jesus and what he does and how mm. he changes life. I, I got a video from a leader there less than a week ago, and he said there was life before we had you guys there and there's life after and and there's we never want to go back mm. um he said now the people we're reaching have doubled in about a month um hindus muslims we baptized nine a week ago uh, on the video he said they were dunked they don't use the word baptism where they live um <laughs> in case it's picked up by some intelligence organization uh, yeah and but he said we don't know what to do we can't muslims and hindus and and people from uh secularists and atheists and, are coming to our homes and begging us to tell them the stories of jesus mm. so when people think christianity is dying they need to get on a plane with me and go on a little bit of a journey and i can show them yeah. uh, something they wouldn't believe you know, if we watch the nightly news or the 24-hour news, um, you know, uh, channels and stuff like that, all we hear, especially out of the Middle East, is fear, don't go there, you know, turmoil, all those kinds of things. 
What's the flip side of that story? Yeah. I mean, there's quite a bit of the Middle East that I feel a whole lot safer in than walking walking in through downtown of any of our cities. Yeah. Um, yeah. Plus, there's an, there are so many um, people in the Arab world who um, reject radical Islam and actually love um, probably too much what they see in the West and think mm. think if they could be more like what they might see in television or a computer right. screen that they'll they'll be better off. Um, plus, uh, in the Middle East, if uh, a Muslim takes you into their home, um, they will protect you with their life. We've brought our own children sure. with us when we worked when they were young and had them stay in with Muslim families. Um, and we knew they were perfectly safe. And, and so there's certainly parts. I mean, obviously, you probably don't want to walk into downtown Tehran today with a megaphone and preach the gospel. Right. Um, maybe not from America, but plenty of Iranians are doing it right now. Really? Um, you probably, sure, absolutely. The, the revolution taking place there is full of young believers in Jesus now who have rejected Islam. I've not heard that on the news. For well, some reason, that strange? That's, it's missing. You know, people, people <laughs> that are dumb enough to think they're going to get... Um, well-educated on what's happening in the world through watching cable news networks, uh, I guess deserve what they get because yeah. they're never going to understand a lot of their, you know, almost all of our news now is some kind of propaganda Yeah, and it's good to do a little more research and find out what's happening in these places. But you know that when you, even those that are suffering deeply, when, when, when you are living in North Korea, when you are living in Damascus, when you are living in places like this um, and, um, and you will live or die for Jesus while you're full of joy and peace, that, that cannot be missed. You know, there's mm-hmm. no reason, mm. no reason for somebody living in these places to follow Jesus for what they gain, unless what they gain is bigger than what this world offers. Yes. And that's what's so very different about what's happening yes. outside of the Western church. That's fascinating. That is just fascinating. And, and to, uh, I think... Well, I want to I want to take a next step. Then, uh, um, what's our problem hmm. in Western culture? In, in Western culture, uh, most of Europe, the United States, North America, um, we're not seeing anything near like what you're talking about. Right. It seems like the rest of the world is. What's our issue? Yeah, the Western Church, I think, is kind of on a spectrum that 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 goes from uh, kind of like a bell curve, let's say a bell curve. Okay. And on both ends, you have a significant part of the Western church that is on one end completely dead. It's no longer Christianity right. whatsoever. In parts of Europe, when people um, hear the word church, they don't even know what it means. Hmm. The church buildings they know are either museums or um, four or five old people meet there occasionally. Um, th- th- there's nothing that resembles what we see in the Bible there. Right. Um, but uh, and the same kind of things are happening, of course, across America, ha- have happened already f- faster and gone further in Europe. But on the other side of the bell curve, there's also a remnant of people um, more in America than in Europe. Um, but you can find them anywhere you go yeah. who passionately love Jesus yeah. and would live or die for him. Mm-hmm. But um, the biggest part of that curve in the Western church um, is made up of people who either um, are kind of holiday Christians. Oh, it's Easter. We have to go to church. It's Christmas Eve. Let's go light a candle. Yeah. Um, uh, something bad happened and we're really scared, so let's go to church. Right. Um, we kind of call that cultural Christianity. Right. Um, um, 
or, or people who attend church regularly, but somewhere along the line forgot what it looks like to be a biblical follower of Jesus. And so a building that has the word church on it, mm-hmm. there's no guarantee that even is a church. Oh, that's right. And the word Christian, it helps. I don't really use it much anymore. Nobody knows what it means. Right, right. I, I like to use the word Christian if I use it at all, because I don't follow anybody named Christ. A Christian, a Christian, is a follower of Christ. Right. And so you have to say, how how little can you follow him and still actually be a Christian or be a real church if there's mm-hmm. nothing going on? within a building of people called the church that resembles following Jesus, then maybe that's not a church. And and so yeah. we don't get all shaken up in our um, society if a lot of businesses or things um, go away. But we do right now if the church goes away. Well, maybe some of these aren't churches at all. Right. So there, I think right. that's one of the things we're – one of the issues we're uh, we're dealing with. There's a lot more to the decline of the uh, Western Church, but uh, I think that's one of the factors is we stopped actually being the church in many places. Right. Um, can of worms here, but I'm not afraid to open it because I mean I'm in my I'm in my town, so I'm the one that opened it. Um, what role does Christian nationalism play in that? Mm, wow. You know. Um, I just ask the easy questions here. <laughs> well, I mean, I think politically, if somebody wanted to talk to me about my politics, they'd be hard-pressed to find anybody more conservative than sure. me. They'd also be hard-pressed to find anybody that um, probably cares less right now because I have zero confidence in politics saving us. Um, right. And uh, the corruption level is so high that um, – I don't. I don't know why really anybody in their right mind would be looking to a political party to rescue us. And uh, I also believe that when uh, when, I, when I'm looking at, at at political issues, it's almost impossible for me not to look through my own colored lens. Right. And so when I talk to somebody that feels a Christian, a brother or sister in Christ, who feels differently from me about a political issue. Um, I've learned to first ask their story and then listen. Yeah. And often I may not agree with them when the conversation's over, but I'm going, my heart reaches out to this person. I might feel exactly as they feel if I had experienced what they've experienced. Exactly. There's a lot of things I believe that sometimes we take for granted because we see only through our culture's eyes. Exactly. And we say, well, all Christians believe this. Yes. Well, talk to your Hispanic brothers. Right. Talk to your African-American brothers. Yes. And see if all Christians believe that. Now, is it the foundation of the gospel? Absolutely. But a lot of secondary issues, we have some things that we say, well, you have to believe this way or that way. And uh, you know what? Uh, folks that aren't upper middle class white folks might not see the their faith the same way we do. Yeah. And, you know, we're told to be salt and light in the scriptures. Right. And um, and that means we are meant to make the places we live, the city where we live, we are meant to live for the welfare of the city. Um, and if somebody tells me, listen, God's called me to run for office, man, when I was a pastor, yep. I would bless them, pray for them, and also yeah. tell them they were probably out of their minds. Yeah, well. But I, I have great admiration for that. And Absolutely. I think for most of us, um, the constant political arguments are actually a cop-out, mm-hmm. um, a way of saying, well, if those people would ever straighten things out, we'd all be okay. Right. When actually God has placed in the hands of his people 
the ability to change culture, and we've done it many times. Wow. Um, but um, it 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 has occasionally crossed over more into politics than at other seasons. People like uh, the anti-slavery movement comes to mind. Right, right. Um, but for most of us, and most of the time, um, we can be the salt and light best when we are the church yeah. at its best. Yeah, the government doesn't... Uh, there's no history of the government sparking awakening in the church. Oh, but there's plenty of history of the church sparking awakening that impacts the government. Yeah, to my Christian nationalist friends, or even people that are just, to me, spend a little bit too much time on politics, you know, I always say, look, um, I'm a patriot, you know, I, yeah, I, and, I'm and, with and, you. and you are too. Okay? I'm with you. So if you want, if you really want to save America, then uh, let's put our concentration on becoming the followers of Jesus and the church that mm-hmm. we are meant to be, because that's our best shot at making yeah. a difference in this country. John, we're talking about internationally. We're talking about the church. We're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, how God is moving across the face of his creation. And I love that. I appreciate you spending this time with us. We've got folks listening on the radio right now and on the podcast right now who don't know Christ. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's hypocritical if we just talk about how what God's doing in the world without bringing it home and saying, here's what he can do in your life. What would you say to an individual right now who's listening who's not a follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, um, uh, in many ways, I, I reject a lot of the religion of our day. And I, I don't find very many people who tell me I really dislike Jesus and what he taught. Yeah. And, and so for somebody who doesn't know Christ, the critical question is, um, was he just a, a good teacher? Was he just a good man? Was he a moral teacher? Um, because actually that makes no sense at all because he claimed to be God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe it was C.S. Lewis that said, "Man, if you claim to be God, you're 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 either a lunatic, or you're a liar, or you're right, or you're God." Yeah. <laughs> and 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 so, um, so if you're one that is not a follower of Jesus, you need to ask the question: Why? Um, do you have you done your research? Uh, mm. If you haven't done your research, why? This is the most important figure in human history, yeah. whether you believe in him or not. And I think for many of us who have have done our research. We've come to believe that this is historically real, that there is there is one named Jesus who was God who became a man and lived a completely sinless life that nobody else ever could and died a sacrificial death mm. on a cross um, because I couldn't be good enough to mm. please God. There's no possibility. No. I'm a mess. I'm a rat. And, and, and so he died to take all that away if I choose to him. He won't force me. But if I choose him, he'll take it all away. And he rose. He conquered death mm. so that um, I can live forever it, with him. It's crazy. But um, when I believe everything that he did, I have to believe that too. And that's the best news of all. And if those things are true, then it makes no sense not to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. In fact, it becomes the most important thing you do um, in your life. And that's something that anybody um, anybody listening can do right now, right where you are. If you're listening right now and you've heard those words and the Holy Spirit's prompting you and you say, I want to follow Christ right this moment, John's about to pray. And just in your heart where you're at, you pray as he prays. Let him lead you and let the Spirit lead you. And, and you can know Christ right now. John, would you pray? That's right. So you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it mm-hmm. all right. If you're willing to trust him, then tell him, Lord, I believe. I don't understand everything, but I believe 
that you died and rose for me. And I'm a mess, and I need you to forgive my sin, Mm. take it away, and I want to follow you. Come into my life and be my Savior and the Lord and Master of my life, and I will follow you for the rest of my days. I receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John, thanks for spending time with us. Friend, if you just prayed that prayer, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get your feedback. We'd love to take the next steps as you follow Christ. Go to salmonvalleybaptist.org. Click on the Connect page and let us know. Let us know what God's saying to you. Let us know if you've trusted Him. And uh, we thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you next time on Into the Western Wild.